Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast from me, Peter Pratt. Don't forget to follow me, guys, on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. And guys, it is the Thursday episode and I am delighted to welcome some UK goats into the house. And for Fish Across the Pond listeners, they will know exactly what I mean. Sean Barrett, he's, he's in the mix again, of course, and Sean has been a familiar voice on Locked On Marlins with me. Sean is joining me, but also we have the... <laughs> The cleanup man, Rob Newell, also in the house, making his first appearance on Locked On Marlins. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing really well. It's a privilege to be on here. And, <laughs> and the postseason, the, the sort of through spring and all that, it just felt the lockout, everything. It's just felt like ages and ages and ages since yeah. the end of last season. So, yep, yeah, looking forward to it. Let's rock on. Absolutely. Sean Barrett, how you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm really good. It's good to have Rob back in on uh, in podcast land. It's uh, it is. It's been a while. It is the mic. The mic was dusty, but he's 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 blown it off, so to speak. <laughs> we're ready to rock and roll, guys. We're gonna kind of do what we've done on Fish Across the Pond. I don't care. We're just gonna nick the ideas and we're gonna kind of run it as a Fish Across the Pond style episode. So for Locked On Marlins listeners thinking, what the hell is Fish Across the Pond? Where have you been living? Um, but. This is our predictions pod combined. I went with the predictions episode yesterday. I just wanted to put it out there so I can remember where all my thoughts were. But for this one, guys, we're looking into the Marlins, specifically MVP, breakout, bust, home run leader, saves leader, and this NL East in general. So we'll get into this and we'll see how the, the land lies at the end. But, Sean Barrett, we have to start with the breaking news from yesterday. The Marlins dropped a trade. Alex Jackson has been traded. They moved Jackson to the Brew Crew. Um, was it the Brew Crew? <laughs> they moved Jackson. I can't believe it. I think he was probably going to be DFA, to be honest with you, because they were really struggling with the um, uh, with the roster, obviously having four catches on the 40-man. So they needed to clear a spot for one of the bullpen arms that's been added to, to the roster today, Sean Armstrong. But anyway, Alex Jackson in at the deadline and now gone already um, with the Marlins. How would you summarize Alex Jackson's career with the Fish? <laughs> it was short and not very sweet, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, as you said, it was a roster crunch. They couldn't carry on. And, and the Brewers lost their starting catcher to an 80-game suspension. So they kind of had to make a couple of moves. Uh, so really, they were in a desperate situation. So for the Marlins to actually get something, even if it were just a bucket of balls, which I think these guys pretty much are, um, is, is a bonus. Yeah. I mean... He was, I, I do truly believe he was about to be DFA'd. Like it was, they, they had to do something. They had to move someone. I think Alex Jackson was going to be that guy. It was clear he wasn't going to be winning the, the backup spot. And they, you know, they had Fortes come through as well. And they've got other depth knocking around a catcher. So made sense. So yeah, Rob, looking back on this, um, this trade, it's one, I've, I've, the Alex Jackson trade, then can you kind of think back to this Adam Duvall move, this Duvall for Jackson move, have you have you ever been able to work out what the hell was going on with that trade, the Duval Adam Jackson move, Adam Jackson? Yeah, I think Jackson. this is all to do with Alfaro. They'd made their mind up that Alfaro wasn't the man, and they needed to to bring in catchers. Uh, they anyone, anyone, and I, I think Peyton Henry was a really good trade. Yeah, because he clearly, clearly has the talents, has uh, more patience at the plate. Been really, really impressed with his arm. Um, in, in again, he's looked good in sort of uh, in the games we saw at the end of last season, spring training. So I, there's no surprise that he's ended up being the backup catcher. But I think it was just we'll just see how it runs. The big big problem with Jackson, you know, I, I think he was fine behind the plate. You, know, you remember the issues we had with Alfaro and pass balls and, and oh, Chad Wallace, etc. Fine behind the plate, good arm, but that strikeout rate you know, in the 40s is just too high in a team that was really struggling with strikeouts. So I, I think it was a, a risk uh, that I'd getting something for Adam Duvall. But of course, the thing was, it was the catalyst that the Braves needed to ultimately win the World Series. It was. I'm still, I've been scratching my head about that trade since it happened, I'm still scratching my head about how this all played out with Adam Duvall. And Adam Duvall is starting today for the Braves in centre field. And 
the Marlins are still struggling for a centre fielder and somehow we've traded for Alex Jackson and he's already been traded to the Brewers. Let's not forget Peyton Henry uh, we acquired from the Brewers too. So, you know, uh, serious moves going on here with the Fish. Um, just to kind of round off this deal, they've got two prospects back. Effectively, an infielder, Hayden Contrell, and a pitcher, Alexis Ramirez. I like the sound of that name. Um, don't know a lot about either of them. Saw Aram Leighton to say that the um, the infielder, Hayden Contrell, uh, seemed a nice piece, switch hitter, I believe. Um, and uh, the, also the, the pitcher itself, Ramirez, was a nice little piece as well. So I think the fish to come away with two um, okay prospects for Alex Jackson feels like a win. So we roll. Boys, the rosters have been announced today as well. Uh, the 28-man is set, and I think... It was pretty much the roster we all expected, other than, well, the, the question marks we had were on the, the bullpen arms, and the they've been answered now. Effectively, Cody Poteet, Dan Castano, both making the roster, both, I think, effectively as long relief or emergency starter options, and then you've got Sean Armstrong, uh, non-roster invitee, uh, has made the roster and has then taken Alex Jackson's spot on the 40-man uh, for the fish, so... They line up pretty much as we expect. No major surprises. De La Cruz is the fourth outfielder. Um, at one point, it looks like he wouldn't be. Sean, just on De La Cruz, before we kind of really get into this, I'm a little bit unclear as to what the Marlins have done with De La Cruz here because, what, two weeks ago, he was optioned out of nowhere. We're all like, what the hell's going on? Roman Quinn, um, De Shields is knocking around. Next thing is, those boys are gone. De La Cruz back. What's going on here with De La Cruz? It was a strange one. I think it was a case of hopefully that they wanted to make sure that there were enough at bats for him. So, you know, send him to wherever they sent him, get him starting reps, uh, and then you can keep the rest of your starting outfielder out there using Quinn as a as a bench bat when they knew that they were probably going to release him anyway. So it didn't matter that he was only getting one or two at bats over mm -hmm. the week. Uh, so. Yes, we would have preferred to see Dela Cruz up at the, the the major league level, as it were, in spring training. But ultimately, if he was getting his at bats, keeping his eye in, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. If he if he comes out hitting uh, to begin the season, we'll know that that might have been the best way to play it. For sure, and they're absolutely going to need Dela Cruz because that outfield is sluggish, no doubt. So I think Dela Cruz is going to get plenty of playing time uh, for the fish. Uh, clearly, if anyone goes down, uh, and they've got the DH to cycle around some of these um, hitters too. So I think Dela Cruz plays a, a big role. Um, it sounds like things have gone all quiet on the t on the trade front, yeah, which probably means someone's about to drop. Just saw the uh, the Pirates have thrown some money um, at one of their young studs. Uh, interested to see if they follow suit and throw money at Brian Reynolds. So we'll wait and see on that one. But guys, that kind of brings up to date. This episode is dedicated really to... Um, I guess us throwing out some predictions, some thoughts um, in terms of the Marlins itself and also this NL East. So let's start with a breakout player of the year. So I've I let you guys know this was coming earlier in the day. You've had time to revise, time to think about it. Breakout of the year. I'm not sure what the criteria is for a breakout player, to be honest with you, but I don't really care. You guys take it as you will. I will give the honours to our first time guest, on Locked On Marlins. And Rob Newell, set the standard, buddy. Breakout player of the year for the Marlins in 2022. Well, I hope this can be classified as a breakout player. <laughs> but, uh, uh -oh. Because he, he has had, he's showed his potential, you know, especially last season. And that is Jesus Sanchez. Mm. I, I, I do think this is the year where he suddenly turns into a star for the for the Marlins. And I know there's a lot of focus on like Jazz Chisholm, et cetera. But what we did see from Jesus Sanchez is not just the power off the bat. We enjoyed those home runs and um, athleticism as well, uh, you know, for, for where he is as an outfielder. But it was like, you remember that barehanded catch? <laughs> I you do. Know, that's that kind of magic you kind of got with him as a player. And um, that's what I'm. I'm really looking forward to. I'm expecting Jesus Sanchez to to when I say breakout. As long as he has a full sort of healthy season, I'm expecting getting towards 30 home runs. I, I really think he can be. We talk about Soler, but I think there's there's potential big power there. I'm expecting him to also with our outfield depth, probably roam the outfield a bit, but just be that every night option out there. Um, I thought last season when um, 
what he kind of showed us not i know there was there was times where he struck out a bit too much and that needs to be fixed so if he's going to be that guy he needs to work on that 30 percent strikeout rate and bring that down a little bit there is potential for him still to play a bit more small ball rather than you know trying to always hit it out of the park mm-hmm. but otherwise yeah i impressed with the arm impressed with the athleticism impressed by the power still you know how old is he now what 25 you know loads and loads of potential 100 percent. that's my breakout i love it rob absolutely love it um sean what have you got cooking for us here well, this will be proof in the pudding that we don't actually talk too much before the show because my breakout is Jesus. Jesus Sanchez as well. <laughs> and um, so I'll, I'll just add a couple of bits that, I mean, Rob's already mentioned a lot of it. You know, you speak about the, the strikeout rate, the 30% strikeout rate, which is high, admittedly, and it, you just need to work on that. If you look at his minor league career, it was hovered around the, the high teens, 20 mark, he moved up to AAA and it was up to 30 again, but it's next year in AAA down to 20. So I think that he does have that ability to, to adjust and move forward. And I do think that the strike eight rate will come down. Additionally, he's shown better walk rates in the minors than he has in the majors. So as he develops, as he grows, I think that is there. Rob did mention the power. There is 30 home runs in that bat. If he can be a 30 homer guy that can hit... 260, 270, maybe that contact rate does increase. At centre field as well, he could be one of the best offensive centre fields fielders in the game. Yeah. And that absolutely has value. The defence will probably knock him down a little bit. But no, he could genuinely become one of those guys that the rest of the league and the rest of the league's fans take notice of. I was thinking exactly the same about Jesus Sanchez, thinking if, if the from a defensive perspective in the glove, if it is just average enough, average is okay, he will be one of the best centre fielders in the game because he's effectively a corner outfielder and a true corner outfielder in terms of power, production, etc. You've got a 30 home run hitter there, um, maybe 260, 30 bombs playing centre field. That sounds real tasty to me on obviously league minimum money too. Um, You know, it's... I don't think he qualifies for Rookie of the Year um, this year, so he's kind of past that. But, you know, he's he's primed, I think. I love it that you guys were thinking the same. I've got a deep sleeper on this one. I think it's possible um, that Lewin Diaz could be that guy, but it means that someone has to either be traded or be hurt at some point early-ish um, for Lewin. I don't wish that on anyone, but I do think Lewin is pretty much next man up to be honest with you, like he is so, so ready. It's ridiculous. If there's at-bats to be had, I think they'll find a way. Lewin, if you recall, he was taking um, some reps in left field last year just to try and add a, a little bit of Alfaro eligibility. So um, I think Lewin Diaz is a deep sleeper um, to be a massive breakout as well. But clearly right now he's in AAA. He started in AAA well as well. Uh, Isan Diaz on the flip side has not started well in AAA. Four at-bats, four Ks for Isan. Oh boy, oh boy, it doesn't sound good. So my breakout, though, my actual breakout I'm going for is Jesus Lazardo. I think he is primed to absolutely go bananas. Spring was sexy. It reminds me so much of Trevor Rogers from last year. It really does, where you're just watching him and going, this guy looks legit. It's only spring, but he looks legit. Then all of a sudden, he just was legit. And I can see exactly the same happening with Jesus Lazardo. So that's my breakout. Um, we're going to go in reverse order here slightly. So, Sean, I'll throw it back to you in case Rob snipes you again. Um, and uh, your MVP for the Marlins this year. Well, I mean, I'm pretty certain that Rob probably even knows who I'm going to say before I say <laughs> it. But my Everyone MVP does. is, yeah, they all do, is 500 at-bats Garrett Cooper. Yeah, I think he's shown last year over a healthy period of time he was – he was one of the best hitters in baseball. That sounds ridiculous saying it, but statistically that's, it's been borne out. He could be uh, a 30 homer, 280 hitter for the Marlins over 500 at bats. Does he get 500 at bats? That is the, that is what makes it questionable to me. The talent that he has, um, if healthy doesn't, isn't a question to me. I think he is that good. Uh, and he, I believe could lead the Marlins 
offensively this year, he would be my MVP. Yeah, like it. Rob Newell, first of all, did you expect Sean to go with Gary Cooper? Of course. Who else would it have been? <laughs> Absolutely. Who are you taking? I really do hope that Sean's right. Because I'd really, really love to see Garrett Cooper have a full season. And I think everybody would, because we just know how dangerous he could really, really be. Yeah. Um, I'm the, the obvious, obvious answer is going to be Sandy, isn't it, really? Um, but I'm going to go Trevor Rogers. Mm. And I think last year, if it wasn't for that slightly dodgy July, we had a couple of games where he, he got pulled a little bit early and yeah. was struggling. I. I just think the consistency of the guy is fantastic. I think the weapons compared to Sandy are just slightly lower. Um, you know, we, we've talked long a lot of times about, you know, the effectiveness of the fastball, the change-up, et cetera. But what impressed me a lot about Trevor Rogers was the consistency. There is some um, stats about it, the, if you compare his home and away last year, uh, pitching it's so similar last uh, just just take era just for simplicity 2.77 home 2.55 away just incredible you know it's insane uh, uh, you know there was yes there were rough months in there but i think if he ties it all together in a full season then i i just think he could be one of the best uh, in well, not just in the NL, he could be one of the best overall. So, I think I really, really hope him and Sandy can do 200 this year mm. and 200 innings pitched. But I expect that that Trevor could just see that edge. It's just I, uh, if you get a pitcher like him, lefty, all the rest of it, it's just just unique. And we we know the other players that you can look up to who are quite similar to him. You know, I think I think this is the season. Love it. It's a it's a really intriguing position with with Trevor. I think because it's not his rookie year anymore, uh, and those ERA numbers are just crazy, right? How Trevor Rogers did not win the rookie of the year, I have no idea because uh, he absolutely deserved it. Um, but nevertheless, this year for the fish, the handbrake is off. So no innings control going on. No kind of none of that. I feel like it's going to be Trev. We know you can do it. The handbrake is off. Let's go get him. So I think he's going to be allowed to go deeper. I think the innings are going to be greater. And I think it's going to, like you, Rob, I think he is absolutely prime for a massive year. Clearly, the question is, is do the hitters adjust and da-da-da, all these kind of things. But at the same time, I know Trevor, he'll be adjusting too. He absolutely will be. So he'll be looking to kick on. Love that shout. Um, It's hard to kind of, you know, there's a few obvious candidates and, Coop, I think, is a really obvious candidate from the offensive side. Sandy, clearly, um, and Trevor. I'm going to go, though, with mine to be different. Uh, I'm going to go with Jazz Chisholm. I've already said it. I can see Jazz having a stunning season as well. 30-30 year. If Jazz has 30 bombs, 30 bags at second base, and the defense is nice, the swag is there, absolutely sign me up. So Jazz Chisholm, Marlins MVP for me. Um, There's the bust of the year to come next, guys. So I'm going to let you dwell on that one just for a sec. Um, before we get there, uh, just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters podcasts and reviews for all the different leagues this season. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. It's Bet Online, where the game starts. And Sean, do you have any money on the Masters this week? Uh, not any money, but um, I've definitely got my eyes on it for sure. For sure. What about you, Rob? Any money on this Masters? Uh, no. Well, you know where some of the money's going. Uh, <laughs> Tiger, Tiger and I can see you're is. in red as well. You're in Tiger red. Well, d- just seeing how many fans are out there for his practice rounds. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, what a draw that guy is. And what a story that might be after the accident. What happened in 2019 as well. Yeah. I I, I don't think it's going to happen, but it could. Listen, there's no bigger draw in in golf, and some would say sports actually, is is Tiger at the Masters. It is a huge draw. But anyway, let's not deviate too heavily away. Um, we'll, We'll see how that one plays out. But he started well. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how the round uh, and, and the rest of the tournament plays out for Tiger. Right, Rob, I'll give you the honors for this one. Bust of the year, and 
I don't know how to define bust. So, you know, take that as you will. Um, but what have you got for us? This is tough because <laughs> my choice, and I, I, I like the guy, and I was actually really happy with the trade at the time, but it's going to be that Marlins have had issues, obviously, everybody knows, with the, the centre field. Who are they going to get? They gave up Duval, They gave up Marte. But they gave up Marte for Lazardo. And when Lazardo came in, obviously he'd had a rough ride at Oakland. Uh, someone who had so, so much potential. Mm. And we really, really want him to be successful in Miami. Local guy um, and has, has the tools there. But there was still quite a lot of rough games at the end of last year. He was still susceptible to giving up the long ball. I fear that he could be that bust. I there is there were games where he was carrying it into you know the the, the sixth inning, and he thought, yeah, you can see that. You can see the the che- the the difference in pitches. You can see how he can really bamboozle the batter and 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 the tools that he has. My concern is is that it's not consistent. We talk about Trevor and Sandy being really, really solid and being stars. And we sort of then worry about Alicia Hernandez. I'm I'm in the same place with Jesus Lozado. So again, his stats last year are up and down per game, where you look where the faults potentially were. The issues where control happened and then suddenly he was giving up lots of walks. Mm. The fact that he was seemingly breaking down quite a bit as soon as you got through the second change and you're getting into that kind of fourth, fifth inning, that's what's really concerning me, is that mm-hmm. he might end up being that guy who ultimately doesn't make it. I mean, he's spotted or slotted in as the fifth starter, and so you know, we have to... A lot of fifth starters in the league are, are not good, let's say, and I'm not saying that Lozado is not good. I've already said I can see him being the breakout. I can see him having a massive year. I think, like you said, though, Rob, what we saw last year on the field... Um, was at times worrying, for sure. The walks were just too high. I do believe in Mel Stottlemyre, though, and I do believe that it looks a little bit different in spring, but it's spring, da-da-da, we'll wait and see. If the walks are controlled, if he can limit those, I do think there's something there. But I also think if that the, the leash may be relatively short on Lozado, and... There's a few guys that are looking ready to rock and roll in AAA, in my opinion, that if things aren't going well, wouldn't shock me if uh, some of those young studs are brought in just to add a little bit of uh, spice into the mix. So, Sean, what about you, buddy, for this bust? It's a tough question because we don't want anyone to bust, but inevitably someone will. So Rob's just called your breakout potential player a bust. Correct. I'm now going to call your MVP player <laughs> a bust. <laughs> We Listen, might guys, get invited again. Guys, you know this um, is my show, right? You know. <laughs> so I don't expect Jazz Chisholm to be a bust in the sense that I think he's going to have a dreadful year. I just think you look. people are looking at last year, the nigh-on 2020 year, and then projecting that forward, or it could be 25, 25, 30, 30. And don't get me wrong, it could be. Mm. But I have some concerns. The K rate is too high. The walk rate is too low and nothing from his minors has shown that 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 could potentially improve like Jesus Sanchez's. I just think there is a concern that if the BABIP is low, he could start off early with a low BABIP. He's hit 204 with a 305 OBP in nigh on a full year in double A in 2019. So there is evidence that that can occur. I just think if he starts off slow, hits 200 with a 300 OBP, he's automatically going to get relegated to the ninth hole because you can't have that love of, uh, on base percentage at the top of the lineup. Mm. I'm just I'm just concerned that there are those walks in his his game. Now, having said that about the poor year in 2019, he still put up 18 home runs and 13 stolen bases in 89 games. So the power and the speed are there. So I don't think he's going to have a dreadful year. I just, I, I'm just a bit hesitant to say he's had a good year and I expect better. Now, of course, I could be wrong and he could develop um, a lot better. He's still very, very young. But I just worry that 
he might not perform to the level that some fans are projecting. Yeah. There's a lot of risk there in Jazz's profile. And uh, if you guys haven't listened, scroll right back to, I believe, Christmas Day episode. I actually had a Christmas Day episode of Lockdown Marlins. That's how dedicated I was. And uh, Matt Williams joined me, and one of the, the best fantasy minds out there, and spent a lot of time deep diving in on Jazz and... The red flags are there. They're absolutely there in the profile. There's there's things that he didn't like and there's adjustments that Jazz needs to make. So, Sean, I don't think that is the worst call uh, at all. Like you said, um, Rob's pulled a, pulled a piece as my breakout dude. You've pulled a piece as my MVP dude. So, you know, there we go. My bust. The mo- it's, this is, again, this is such a tough question to ask a fan and diehard fans like us and you know, optimistic at times, fans like us, I'm, I'm always optimistic, but um, the most likely bust candidate, in my opinion, is Pablo. And what I mean by that is, it's your number two starter, okay? And there's two two outcomes that I think lead him to be in a bust. A, he gets hurt and misses a lot of time again. And for me, that then takes him to a bust in some ways, where if you get 50 innings out of Pablo, that's a bust year for him, for sure. Or equally, he just regresses a little bit. Or the third option is he's traded at some point as well. And I think all three of them outcomes are possible. I absolutely love Pablo de Bits. I think he was he was sensational last year, other than against the Braves. Uh, the Braves, there's some sort of problem there for whatever reason. The lineup likes him. But I think Pablo is the most likely bust candidate outside of the guys you mentioned. And I absolutely agree with you boys that Lozado and Jazz absolutely have that in there too. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Pablo, begrudgedly, because I absolutely love Pablo. But, yeah, we'll wait and see. Um, let's get into one of the other props now. Let's go. Let's flip it up to, to the bullpen. I know this is a place Rob likes to operate in. Let's get into this pen. And listen, guys, we've seen the names there already. We know who's on the roster for opening day. It doesn't mean that they won't add to it. But, Rob, saves leader for the fish. And how many exactly? Saves leader last year? It was shared. Floro, Yimmy Garcia. 15 apiece. 15 is your mark. Um, Rob, who have you got this year? So, why not? Well, a lot of people well, said it could be, <laughs> be Bender because that, that, oh. of just that uh, the bamboozlement he can cause batters, especially at uh, in key moments with his amazing pitches. But I think Cole Salsa is the, uh, is the, is the guy that they brought in to be that closer okay um, he only had eight saves last year and you're going to get lots of opportunities with the baltimore orioles because they don't really have anything um at all they're in their i don't know rebuild which is going to take a decade but it's um i there was some real real promise uh and i think where they really wanted him was that the strikeout rate is reasonably decent sitting around the 30s, but his walk rate really dropped off last year. We talked about 8%. So what do you want for your last man there who's trying to save the day? You want someone who doesn't walk batters. You mm-hmm. want something who, who can get those strikeouts. Decent ground ball percentage. I just think that's... I think he eventually will be the guy they'll give it to. With Bender, I think it's... He had a like he had kind of like a breakout season. He obviously had not pitched a lot in uh, you know he he basically been from the sort of A ball double A. He hadn't had that 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 those he hadn't had that standard route through and just just amazed us with his amazing pitches and what he can do. But I think for just having that guy with that touch of more of experience in a safe situation. I think it's going to be him. The reason why I haven't said Floro is that it's just the injury worry. Mm. I do think he is the main guy, but I'm not sure how long he's going to be injured for. Uh, it's uh, it's not 100% clear that he's just going to definitely come back after after these his IL is up. So um, if, if he was fit, I think I'd have gone for Floro. But I think they knew there was an issue, and that's why they've made this trade. So that's yeah. why I'm going to go for Solzer. I'm going to go for 20, around 20. Yeah, 20, 24 Salsa. Okay. I'll, I'm with you on Flora, by the way. Like, uh, I think the injury there definitely meant that they had to, they just had to do something. They, I felt like they were kind of like on the cusp of just seeing how it goes. 
was maybe the vibe because they just there was a lot of free agents out there, but they just didn't pull the trigger on anyone. And they went bang, 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 five million for everyone. If you if you could throw, five million seemed to be the number. It felt steep for the Marlins for sure. And um, they just were very passive in the reliever market. I was thinking, oh, maybe they're just going to roll with it and see what they can do. Obviously, Jansen, big money. Kimball, big money. These dudes. Um, but then as soon as Flora was hurt, that was it. You have to go and do something. Go and get Salsa. Aram Leighton called it back in December that Salsa was a nice piece. Uh, Tanner Scott as well is a nice piece, but the walks have been a problem as well for Tanner Scott. Um, stuff's insane. Too many walks, I guess. Yeah, maybe kind of similar to Bender in some ways. I don't know Bender didn't walk a ton of dudes, but the stuff's real nice. I think that's the point I'm trying to make there. Um, so, cool. Salsa, 20. Sean, what about you on the uh, on the saves leader for this year? Yeah, so I think Rob's right in a certain sense that Floro would have been the, the number one guy coming into the season, if not injured, but that's by the by now. I think Bender is the best reliever on the staff. Do I think he'll be in the save conversation? To a certain degree, yeah. I think realistically the Marlins could have five different pitchers get the first five saves. Mm. I think I think it will be a certain sort of revolving door uh, pitching matchups, things like that. I don't think Bender. I don't think they want Bender in that role, mainly for one reason, and that's financially. <laughs> Every save that he gets in his minimum contract is just going to bump up that arbitration price. So, to a certain degree, if you can get a guy that's cost controlled, that isn't going to cost you a lot of money, but by having saves. You'd use him first, in my mind. And that's why I'm going a little bit left field. And I'm saying Anthony Bass oh, is going to lead the Marlins in saves. I think early days, you're going to get whoever's ready, whoever's fit to get into that into that sort of save situation. Now, Bass had an awful year last year. In, in, the, save, in the closer role, even worse. However, he is on a cost-controlled contract and that's not going to change anytime soon. He pitched 90, his last 19 innings, which is a small sample, I'd admit, but it was his final third of the season. A 3.4K to walk rate, a 2.37 ERA. He actually pitched a lot better than a lot of us probably think. But because the numbers were so inflated from the early part of the season, just never really reflected in his ultimate uh, numbers. I don't think he has the role all year round. I just think that it's going to be a it's going to be a revolving door of saves. I think four guys could realistically get six to seven saves or more. I think Bass is just it's it's very left field and it's a bit tongue in cheek. But mm -hmm. why not Bass? I think uh, seventeen is probably the max. Um, but yeah, why not? If he if he, he gets an opportunity early in the season and it goes well then I don't see why he can't carry it on for the rest of the year. If it starts off badly, then it'll probably be Ben Don. I'll look silly. Some would say, has he not already had his opportunity? But I, the thing is with the relievers, it's so volatile from one to the other. They signed Basque and they gave him this you know, multi-year contract. They obviously liked what they saw. And like you said, Sean, the numbers were fine. They were fine. In gen this is the thing. When you look at it generally, numbers were okay. The leverage situations, though, which he was paid to come and do, he just could not handle those situations. It's not to say that he doesn't have a, a stunning 2022. Listen, let's rewind this show. We need to rewind it now on the back of this. You need to have your breakout as Anthony Bass if he has 17 saves because he was signed as the closer in 21 and had zero saves. <laughs> It's the most ludicrous thing. He was not hurt. None of that. No, no, no. Full workload for Bassman. Hype video and all, and zero saves. It is absolutely ludicrous that that you know, in a team that sold off what four relievers in the middle of the year, Curtis, Yimmy, Detweiler, uh, someone else I probably can't think of. They sold all of the pen, and Bass still didn't get a save. It's absolutely crazy. So, I, for me, I, I've got to be honest. I, Donnie, and we haven't, obviously the guys, the Baltimore guys weren't in the mix at the time, but Donnie to me showed his hand the other day in one of the last games of spring, one of the TV ones, where the top of the lineup came back around. I think it was the seventh inning, if I recall, and uh, Bender was sent out. 
and it was to tackle the, the top of the lineup before the subs were made. And I was like, okay, this is a, a leverage spot facing good hitters for Bender. And I was like, mm, I'm seeing that. I see you, Donnie, and I see what you're doing there. And for me, that was the sign that Bender was going to get first first crack at this. And I think Bender does. I think he will. I'm worried in terms of Bender, in terms of the second half numbers dropped off. It definitely dropped off. I mean, it was historic. His first year, his first half, sorry, was just historic. Um, but I think Bender will get the will get the job to start. And if he does well, like you said, Sean, like with Bass, like if they just get it and they roll with it, it is what it is. A bit like Kinsler. He got first crack. I'm sure Boxberger was next up or Yimmy, but Kins just rolled with it. I'm going to go Bender gets the job. Whether he keeps it, I don't know. I'd like for him to. I did say on my pod yesterday that I think Solskjaer and Scott combined get 30 saves. So I guess what I'm saying is Bender starts with it and Solskjaer takes it over and Scott gets a few too. Mix and match, Donnie. I think that's the way it goes this year. Um, guys, we are running long as always. There's a few for us to get into. Uh, before we get there... I need to let you know this episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. I love this ad. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure the pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money using Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are reliably low for every customer. Go and explore their easy-to-use website today. Find the solution for your auto parts needs. Get yourselves over to rockauto.com. Write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That is rockauto.com. All right, Sean, here we go. We are now into bombs away, bombs leader, please. And there are many, many candidates. You've already got Garrett Cooper down as the MVP. Uh, if that is a tell, maybe it is. But listen, I can see, said it yesterday, I can see seven guys with potential to hit over 20 bombs in this lineup. I truly can. So who's going to be the home run leader for the fish in 22? I'm going to have to give it to one of the guys that we picked up in the off-season, actually, and give it to Jorge Soler. I just, he has shown in his past an ability to hit nearly 50 home runs. He hit 48 home runs in 2019. He hit 27 last year. I mean, if he can get anywhere near, you know, between 27 and 48, that is going to lead the team. He's shown when he hits a ball, he hits a ball. So... If you look at a guy like Cooper, he can get his home runs, but he's going to get more in the away games than he is in the home games, I would imagine. Solaire can hit them in any park you want him to hit them in. So I think realistically, if he has a full and healthy season, which there's no reason to expect him not to, he's, you know, last two, last three seasons, if you include the, the half season, had his at-bats. So I think realistically, he could be the guy that could get close to 40. Big call, big power. It feels Stanton-like, doesn't it? Like they're just different. They feel they look different. You know they're gone. There's no wall scrapers. It just it the ball travels differently off their bat. Solera, I like Rob. Are you leaning towards Solera as well, or have you got another shout for us? Exactly, and for the same <laughs> reasons. I was trying to look at why the number of home runs he'd had has just dropped off from 2019, being the last full comparable season. And he's like, strikeouts, walks, you look through it and everything looks really similar. They seem to have a lot more infield fly balls, which seems to be more of a form timing thing mm -hmm. rather than something's, you know, fundamentally changed or the pitchers are pitching differently to him. So I, I think he's, again, maybe last year was slightly unlucky. He, he's definitely going to have more than 30 home runs. As long as he has a healthy season. So, again, it's Soler. Again, Garrett Cooper could be close. Jesus Sanchez could be close. Even Jazz, uh, if he gets it really together and gets on a real, real hot run of form, could be close. But uh, Soler's got 
he nearly got 50 home runs in, in 2019. He's got the capability to do it. As you say, Stanton-esque, he was the last person who could really cause damage, proper, proper damage at Marlins Park. Yeah, he's the guy. Seems like the sensible choice. However, one guy we're sleeping on slightly is Avi Garcia. Um, I, Avi also, I think, has... He, he has the power for sure. Um, not quite 50 home run a year... Um, kind of power, but I mean, Avi's, you know, he's a, what is he, a 25 to 30-ish type dude? I mean, he hit 29 last year. I guess it isn't quite Soler levels, though, is it? Like, that's the point. It's like, Soler's just different. It's a different type of hitter, and it's just, it's just damage. It's damage, so I, I think it's a full house on Soler for the home run leader. It just, he's the most obvious candidate. And it's going to be interesting. They've got him in the leadoff spot too. Um, you know, if you recall, do you remember when they kind of bumped Stanton up to, you know, the two hole and it was a bit like, oh, this is a bit weird. I mean, why is he not in the cleanup spot? And um, next thing is he's bumped up to the two hole and just went on, you know, a historic tear that season, which was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Soler as well, guys. Full house. Um, okay, so that is the main questions we have. We're going to round up with the... Actually, no. One final one before we get to the NL East. Sorry, sorry, Sean. I haven't even prepped you for this either. But Rookie of the Year, guys. What the hell? We missed that one off the list. We need a Rookie of the Year. Um, Again, not sure of the classification on this one, but young studs that come up and make an impact. Um, You know, I guess it could be... uh, Sean Armstrong could be one of them. (laughs) Perhaps, but... Uh, I'll let you guys dwell on it for a second. I'm going to throw mine out there and um, let you guys think about it. The rookie of the year, I believe, this year for the Fish is Max Meyer. I truly believe that Max will pitch over 100 innings at the major league level this year. Um, whenever there's someone gets hurt early doors in the rotation, Max is going to be, should be, one of the first names called. And I think he's going to get up there and I think he's going to deliver and they're going to manage him similar to Trevor Rogers. But I think that Max ends up with a 120, 130 innings at the Major League level and is also a top three Major League Baseball Rookie of the Year dude, NL Rookie of the Year, however you want to phrase it. I think Max Meyer is the Marlins Rookie of the Year. Sean, do you want to go? Yeah, I mean, I'm only going to say the same as you just said. Yes! I watched him. I watched him pitch the other day um, down in AAA for the, the opening start, and he looked fantastic. He gave up a couple of runs, gave up a home run. But those first three innings, I think it was one through nine, just cleaned them through, uh, three clean innings. He looked, he looked really good. He looked like the command that he had on the mound like he, he owned the place, like, oh, I'm only going to be here for a little while, so I might as well just own it. I think you're right. He could get 100 innings. If he gets 100 innings, then unfortunately something might have gone wrong at the major league level. But realistically, the there, there's no one on the, the major league roster as it stands who's either you know eligible for rookie eligibility or is good enough to be that kind of guy. So yeah, I think Maya could come up. The other options, obviously, day could come up. Can he play centre field if if required? Probably he could get his at bats. But realistically, the, the the best guy down there at the moment that's going to see time in the majors this year is Maya. Okay, Rob Newell, what have you got for us on this one? Yeah, I, I think you'd start to think about. I'm not sure whether. Dela Cruz can still qualify for that if if he ends up. I did think he's going to be obviously in the team quite regularly as soon as you get an injury, and if he can continue that that form we saw instantly after the trade, we saw mm. you know a lot sort of going through sort of August. I know there's a bit of a tail off in September, but even so, you could end up with a guy who could be really really consistent in that outfield and hold it together when we've lost someone really important. So I think that's that. You've obviously mentioned Meyer. Um, the, uh, unless we end up with 
uh, you know, Girard could come up in Calcione, you Ooh, know, baby. And, and suddenly uh, someone who's shown potential and power, but I think needs a lot more, a bit more time. Um, and everybody else who who could make it up is not going to get probably enough time. Meyer has been, as you said, has been scheduled. I think that's the thing. He's been scheduled to come in. And uh, we're talking about Lazardo being on a shortlist. Anything, an injury, I think he's in. And he's just, he's shown that I think he's good enough. So he's, he's the, he's almost, I'm not saying it's the lock, because he might, he might <laughs> not pitch. But <laughs> if he does, I think he is the lock for him, uh, for the uh, rookie. I think that's a really interesting name that you just mentioned there that we, we haven't spoken about at all. But, you know, Jaira and Canacion, you know, the way the 40 man is constructed right now, um, obviously, De La Cruz is um, you know is the fourth outfielder, but the only other outfielder on the forty man is Encarnacion. So, if one of the corner guys goes down, I guess you know De La Cruz is probably shifting to centre, uh, Jesus back into the corners. But then you have to bring up Encarnacion, like unless they start kind of messing around or you add to it. But listen, Encarnacion has a real chance to play. And get a significant number of at bats, I think, at the major league level, because at some point, all three of these dudes in the outfield are going to miss some time for something. Um, and De La Cruz is, you know, the same. You know, Jesus has shown that he's struggled to stay on the field. Um, I think Soler's had a couple of injury problems too. Avi Garcia's a big dude, you know. So, yo, know, Encarnacion is an interesting kind of sleeper pick there. Where, and, and listen, when you see that at spring too with Encarnacion, there were times where there were Stanton-like bombs coming out of him. Like he hits balls differently too. Um, you know, clearly we got Coop that can flex to the outfield if really necessary. But I feel like we've been down that path so many times, and it always ends the same way with Coop being on the IL. So let's try and avoid that one. But yeah, like it, guys, for sure. Um, let's then round it all off. Um, <laughs> we're way over time, but. It was to be expected. Let's round it off with an NL East 1-5. to five. Um, I, There's been some really fun ones of these on Fish Across the Pond over the years. Um, someone will always be in tank mode, according to Rob Newell. There's always someone that's about to blow up, so I'm really excited to see what he's got. But Sean Barrett, I'll let you take the lead-off spot on this one. Take the lead-ops role. Um, give me your 1-5 to five in this NL East and uh, some, some dialogue as to why. So I think the Braves are still number one in the division. Um, I think it is a case of until someone knocks them off that perch, that's that's where they're going to be. I've got the Marlins too, because <laughs> this is a Marlins podcast. Now, a couple of things are reliant on them being second and also potentially making the playoffs. Is They need a good start. Not a great start, just a good start. You know, they need to stay within touching distance and keep that through the year. If they're a couple of games from the division, you know, floating around 500, then make moves. Mm-hmm. They will. And, then, and, and they will if they're in touching distance. They could finish as high as second, in my mind. If they start off slow or over the beginning first half of the season, they're eight, nine games back you get to the point where maybe you're not sellers, but you're certainly not buyers either. Then that, that might be a bit more sketchy. But realistically, if they can stay in touch, then make some moves, I think realistically second place and playoffs is within reason. So I've got the Phillies third. I think they've made some good moves in the offseason. They've got the bats. Their pitching's okay. Their bullpen's It's the okay. Phillies bullpen. Is the Phillies bullpen, um, but defensively they've got some holes, and that is going to cost them games, you know. And they're very certainly top heavy, almost certainly. So a couple of injuries here or there, you know, you lose what your one or two starter, or you lose even Harper potentially. You know, it is that case of if they they haven't got that depth to to refill if there are any injuries. So that's why they're third for me. The Mets are the fourth because. They're the Mets. They've already messed it up already. They've got they've got their number one two starter. They're starting McGill, who yep. was originally scheduled to not be in the rotation as their opening day starter, which is just hilarious. 
Um, and the Nats are the bait, the Nats are the, the worst team in the division. They're going to lose 100 games. I've already said that. Um, so I think realistically, that's where I've got it. I would say that I think the Marlins, the Phillies, and the Mets are all going to be within six games of each other. I think you've got the Braves at the top, the Nats at the bottom, and then a real kind of fight in the middle. Yeah, it's going to be congested, I think. Uh, I'm with you, by the way, on the Nats. The the bookies have the Nats line about 70 wins, which is way, way too high. I'm with you. I think I think there's a good shot they lose 100-plus games this year, the Nats, because they are they're Soto and Scrubs is how I've described them. They, they're terrible. They really are. So, okay, that's... The Marlins in second sounds good to me. Do they make the postseason in second? I guess they probably will? You'd assume so, because... There's three wildcard spots. The NL Central is unlikely to be amazing. Um, the West is probably going to have some good teams, but the Marlins make the postseason. I'd, I'd, I'd say if they if they finish in second, I think they do. Yeah. I think it is 83, 84, 85 wins hmm. is is a playoff team. Yeah. So you just need to be around five hundred, float around five hundred, then make them a couple of moves. You know, when we saw it with the Braves last year, they were five hundred all year. And they just made some key moves and they weren't big expenditures either. It's not like you've got to delete the farm to, to make those moves. No. So I think if they can stay close, make a couple of wise moves, you're going to have teams that are out of it. You're going to get sellers and they're going to be opportunistic and you can make some moves that really improve the team, make it a playoff team without giving up too much. I think that is, that is the most likely scenario in my head for the Marlins making the playoffs. I totally agree with you, by the way. I think, that is the blueprint. Play circa 500 ball until the deadline. Add at the deadline, much like they did in 2020 when they went out and got Marte. Like they were around about a 500 club. They only finished one game over 500. It was good enough for the playoffs that year. Um, I think the that is absolutely the blueprint. Last year fell away way too quickly. They were cooked early doors, and they knew it. And it was just time to get out of there. So. Okay, Rob Newell, I will hand it to you, brother. What have you got for us one to five in this NL East? I'm going to go in reverse. And the okay. Thing, right, the Nats, I, I agree. Uh, I don't think they're getting anywhere with 42-year-old with, with Nelson Cruz, Josh no. Bell and Dee Gordon. You, um, by the way, you called their, their rebuild a couple of years ago on Fish Across the Pond saying that the, the cliff was approaching for them and they were about to be cooked, and you called it. So, um, yes, the Nats, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I, won't I called it. I called it on the season they won the World Series. I said they were going to blow oh. up halfway through the season. Oh, okay. And and sell Scherzer <laughs> and all the rest of it, and uh, uh, and um, uh, and of course that didn't happen. Uh, they ended up being very successful, but it was um, uh, yeah. So I, th that that's definitely my fourth place is where the controversy really, really is. I think it's going to be the Braves. Oh. <laughs> now the reason for I've got proper proper reasoning for this. I think there's problems, and I think they're now starting to emerge. I think Freeman was the glue of that team. I really, really do. He was the experienced, the mature head. He was just the all-round brilliant baseball player out there, you know, controlling things from first base. Even that that last ball, who did it end up? Whose gloves did it end up in the end mm -hmm. to win the World Series? It was him. Because yeah. he was the man, and he was the man who's, who'd really, really carried that team. What Acuna is saying at the moment is just bizarre. The fact is, we know Azuna's not the greatest clubhouse man. And I, I think the Freeman for Olsen, which fundamentally what it is, that's what they've ended up with. I, I, Olsen's great, but I, I think they've now could start to disintegrate. I also question the Braves' sort of lower order. I would say, in regards to not say lower order, but I yeah, we know Freed is amazing. We know Carl Wright really, really, really turned it on. But I'm not so sure about Yanoa and Tucker Davidson. And and I, if it, if it goes wrong for them, then I don't think they really have the depth there. So that's what I'm predicting. I'm not saying they're going to collapse. I say I think they could get eighty wins, but I don't think they're the team. Just it's, it's baseball's odd, and it's those odd things that really, really changed it from being a dominant team to falling away. Um, I think the Phillies are going to be third. I think they've really, really made some uh, really good improvements, and actually for the bullpen, 
I thought Corey Nabel, I, I think, is a really, really good. I, I th- he could end up being one of like the the save leaders in the in in you know the NL. I think he's some really good. But you know, Brad Hand, fantastic, familiar, not so much. There, you can see where things could go wrong. We know they've got the power. Their rotation is still not strong enough, I think, to carry them through. Now, this is where it does get... I've got to have to put the Marlins in second. I think we have the best rotation. I think we've got a, 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 some good strength in regards to our batting lineup. Maybe not quite enough there at the moment. And I still worry after what happened last season. We, we thought we had arms for days. We all talked about <laughs> these young players coming through. And we ended up with a rotation of about three proper, you know, pitches at one point. We were just putting in Nida and Garrett and whatever we could to pitch it to get. So I'm still not convinced that if we have issues with Hernandez, yes, you can bring Meyer up. But are these quite ready to really, really carry us forward to win the division? Mm. I'm sadly going to have to say the Mets. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm this is under the assumption that DeGrom does show fitness, which is looking really, really dicey. Mm-hmm. But I just think their their lineup, especially with the bats, I think is just just really, really dangerous. Just all the way through dangerous. If Jeff if Jeff McNeil is potentially a, a player who's kind of going up and down after an incredible season a few years ago, but I just this Marte, Lindor, Alonso. You know, McNeil, if they all turn it on, then I just I don't see them being stoppable if they've got Scherzer, if they've got DeGrom sitting behind them being strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chuan Walker, fitness, Carrasco, fitness. Yep. It's all dependent on that, isn't it? They, I, they've got a they got a zero man rotation right now, the the Mets. Like they're there's high risk in that in that rotation, no doubt about it. I like Edwin Diaz. I think he again is fantastic. They've got they they've got some really really nice players sitting around. You know, Lugo, Ottavino, May. I I think the Mets unfortunately might win it this year around sort of ninety five wins. Oh boy, oh boy! This sounds just like a few years ago when Rob said to me, "The Nats are gonna be dead," and then they went and went and won a World Series. This year, the Mets are gonna be good. We'll wait and see what happens. Uh, I put mine out there yesterday. Um, oh, thanks for that, Rob. By the way, and that's that. Uh, the the Braves in fourth, under five hundred, missing the postseason is about as spicy as it gets. I mean, I've been I've been questioned, let's say, on some of my Blue Jays takes. I've been uh, particularly vocal on the Blue Jays, saying I don't think they win the division. I don't think they make the postseason. A lot of people aren't happy with that take. Um, but I will remind people last year where I said the same about the Mets. Uh, said they would finish under 500, the Mets. Everyone said, no, they won't. They'll be good. The Mets finished under 500. Um, so I think the Blue Jays will be this year's Padres, and they will shit the bed along the way and fall out of contention. Anyway, um, I put it out there yesterday, my 1-5. to five. I had the Braves win the division. However, this Acuna news has got me, has got me scratching my head. Really scratching my head. Are the boys going to be the boys? Is the clubhouse just going to be... Is it going to be a frat party? Is it going to be a stag-do environment? Is that what they want? Is that conducive to winning baseball games? I'm not convinced it is, to be honest with you. I always knew this is going to happen. Ronnie's a little bit too excitable. He wants to be the main man. He wants it to be a fun atmosphere. Blah, blah, blah. I think things could go sideways real quick with the Bravos. So I'm with you. I'm downgraded the Bravos. And the problem is... I think I had the Marlins in second yesterday, so there's only one place to put the fish now, and it's winning the division. The fish win the division for the first ever time in 2022. They ride this pitching staff all the way. It's mainly healthy. The bats come alive. Seven dudes hit over 20 bombs, and the fish win the division. I don't care about the rest. Who cares? Bravo's in second, Phillies in third, Mets in fourth. And then that's in fifth. But I'm taking the fish now. Winning the NL East. Downgraded the Braves. They make a deep postseason run. Maybe even sneak into the NL. CS taking on the Dodgers. Maybe fall there. We'll wait and see. But that's how I see it going. Fish. NL East Kings. Whew. I've had two beers. (laughs) 
Right, boys, that is us. Bang out of time for sure. That has been a lot of fun. That has been a fish across the pond crossover into Locked On Marlins, which has been fun. Rob, what did you think about the ad reads? What do you think about Rock Auto? Yeah, yeah, like it. Nice. A lot. Yeah. yeah, very smooth. It works in a British accent. It does. It does. What about these built bars? Are you considering making a purchase there of the built bars? I, I think so. I think I need it after a, a, a winter. I need to build up those muscles. <laughs> He's flexing his bicep here on the camera. <laughs> this this is soon to be a YouTube show as well. So at some point we'll we'll get those we'll get those biceps on camera. Sure, but okay, boys. Sean Barrett, Rob Newell, the UK goats. Pleased to say that on Locked On Marlins for sure. It's been long overdue. Uh, are out of here. That is us. Thursday, Locked On Marlins done. I am back tomorrow, which is opening day, baby, for the fish. And we are taking on the Giants. And tomorrow's episode, I have a Giants fan joining me, Darius Austin, another UK goat, uh, but a Giants goat, joining me tomorrow to preview the Marlins-Giants series. Someone is predicting a sweep. I will let you dwell on who that may be. Until then, stay safe. Back tomorrow.